my podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church, in a year. Today's day number 348, and we begin with number 2715. Contemplation is a gaze of faith fixed on Jesus. I look at him, and he looks at me. This is what a certain peasant of ours in the time of his holy cure was used, used to say while praying before the tabernacle. This focus on Jesus is a renunciation of self. His gaze purifies our heart. The light of the countenance of Jesus illuminates <clears throat> the eyes of our heart and teaches us to see everything in the light of his truth and his compassion for all men. Contemplation also turns its gaze on the mysteries of the life of Christ. Thus, it learns the interior knowledge of our, of our Lord, the more to love him and follow him. Follow him. Contemplative prayer is hearing the word of God. Far from being passive, such attentiveness is the obedience of faith, the unconditional acceptance of a servant, and the loving commitment of a child. It participates in the yes of the son, becomes servant and the fiat of God's lowly handmaid. Contemplative prayer is silence, the symbol of the world to come, or silent love. Words in this kind of prayer are not speeches. They are like kindling that feeds the fire of love. In this silence, unbearable to the outer man, the Father speaks to us his incarnate word, who suffered, died, and rose. In this silence, the spirit of, adopt, of adoption enables us to share in the prayer of Jesus. Contemplative prayer is a union with the prayer of Christ insofar as it makes us participate in his mystery. The mystery of Christ is celebrated by the Church and the Eucharist, and the Holy Spirit makes it come alive in contemplative prayer, so that our charity will manifest it in our acts. Contemplative prayer is a communion of love, bearing life for the multitude, to the extent that it, that, to the extent that it consents to abide in the night of faith. The Paschal night of the resurrection passes through the night of the agony in the tomb, the three intense moments of the hour of Jesus, which his spirit, and not the flesh, which is weak, brings to life in prayer. We must be willing to keep watch with him one hour. Father Jack. Thanks, Bill. You know, um, yeah, we continue this reflection on how the one is to enter into contemplative prayer and and that contemplation, that gazing upon the face of Jesus, something that is so simple and yet something that is can be very challenging, especially at the beginning of our are, are developing a spiritual life, or developing an interior life. I think it's actually remarkable. One of my favorite spiritual reading books is um, it's called um, um, Apostle of the Interior um, by Dom Chatard, right? Um, and he, he writes this book, and but instead of referring to it as contemplation, he refers to it as interior life, right? Because um, when we... Uh, it's in, when we think of just contemplation, we think of it as just that time of prayer, which it is and to an extent. But we also see, kind of sprinkled throughout this section, that it is it is a life that is that is different. Um, you know, we we are called to enter frequently into contemplation, but at the same time, we we need to kind of give ourselves over to it um, a little um, in a broader sense. So, what do I mean by that? I mean that. If, if we are constantly surrounded by noise, it's very difficult to enter into contemplation, even if that noise isn't necessarily uh, 
like inappropriate, right? We don't it just because it doesn't we don't have to listen to bad music to still have that kind of noise in our background, right? Um, and so, with that in mind, um, there's a reason why why many people refer to it as interior life rather than contemplation because they play off one another. They play off this, uh, and and mutually they benefit one another. Um, the more we con- the more we you know, enter into contemplative prayer, the more we desire a better interior life and a life of silence. And more that we live a life of silence, the better our contemplative prayer is. Not necessarily perfect, easier, without trial, but rather that just is objectively uh, better. So the catechism has certain words to highlight, to, um, and the three that they use are, are gaze, hearing, and then uh, silence. So, um, and all of them help one another. These, these three themes that kind of come out, that as we gaze upon the face of God, as we hear his word in, uh, in a different and more profound way, um, it, it only comes out of a silence that, um, that breeds this, I would say. Um, I think back at, the <laughs> at uh, how often you kind of meet people who... who uh, who talk too much, right, in kind of different ways, right? And I'm not just talking about, like, kind of the wordy person, which uh, if my family was listening, they'd be like, all right, that's pretty hypocritical of you to, to make fun of anybody for talking too much. But um, but at the same time, they, um, you know, those people who kind of always have to have the last word, right? Not just, like, kind of make sure, that, you know, that they know that you reach out to them, right? But but the pr- I remember one time I preached on... on uh, Humani Vitae. It was on the 50th anniversary of it, and I preached on it. And this one woman in particular who uh, uh, wanted to tell me that she disagreed with the church's teaching um, and told me off to my face and then walked away and then came back and interrupted somebody to tell me off again uh, and then left and then did it a third time, right? And you just... I. I mean, I kind of, you got to be as patient as you can in these moments and kind of saw it coming. But but the reality of it is that there is a certain sense in which our our disquiet, our inability to to remain silent, whether it is by exterior noise or even our interior noise, I have to say something, right, limits our ability to pray um, because we, it breeds a discontent with ourselves and with God. that this idea that that you know, uh, <laughs> if we look to the Garden of Gethsemane, where this last line of the Catechism comes from, could you not keep watch with me for one hour? Um, think of think of who speaks up in in that story, in that passion narrative. It's Peter, right, who says, "I will I would never let that happen to you, Lord. Uh, I will fight for you." Right, all these things. Um, He's the one who denies him, right? The one who has to speak often is the one who cannot truly stay with him. It's difficult, and that we all have, we all are suffering through it. But the, but by being aware of it and humbly accepting the reality of what who we are and how we're made, we actually can grow from it. We can we can take those uh, intentional steps to correct it, and then in in that we can move ever closer towards that God who is always reaching out to us.